Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. So this season, this Heart for the House season is all about having a heart of, of, of generosity. And I love Pastor Alan Griffin. He kicked it off so good last week. Can we give Pastor Alan a round of applause? And I love Pastor Alan. Last week, Pastor Allen talked about the miracle seed, and he spread the seeds out along the altar, and, you know, some of us took a bag of seed as a reminder. We dropped our pledge on the altar, and then we grabbed a bag of seed. Today, like my wife said, if you have not made your pledge and you would like to, drop it off in the offering boxes out there, give it to one of the hosts, and when you go outside, you can get a bag of seed if you don't got one, okay? I encourage you to take one, and I'm going to tell you why later um, in this message. But having a heart for the house is important because at the end of the day, I always say a church has never been a building. The church has been the people, amen? Wherever we are, God is. And, man, it is our hearts that dictate what happens in this house. And I always want to be a person that's passionate about God's house. And I love how eloquently Alan talked about the miracle seed because he said the true harvest of a seed is not in its fruit. The true harvest of a seed is not in its fruit. The true harvest of a seed is in the, the, the seeds that the fruit produces. Every seed has a harvest of more seed. I don't know about you, I don't wanna just bear fruit, I wanna bear seed. I wanna bear seed, why? because it makes my life expectancy and my legacy infinite because we have no idea how many seeds will come from a seed. You see, we understand we can count on a tree how many fruits come from a seed, but you cannot count how many seeds will be produced from that first seed that was planted. So I want to be a seed producer. He talked about that. And this week, I want to Talk about King David, one of my favorite people in the Bible. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about David. Because if we talk about heart for the house, nobody had a bigger heart for the house than David. Nobody. And I'm going to use his life to show you what it looks like to have a heart for the house. So if you have your Bibles with you, anybody got your Bibles? Wave them at me. Let me see. Oh, see, some of y'all learning. Some of y'all got phones. It's okay. Can't cast out a demon, but you can at least take notes. That's good. Get the Cool Church app. All the notes are there, so the stuff I'm going to say to you right now is in there. Great tool for you to have. But if you got your Bible, turn to, we're going Old Testament today. Go 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. Promise you I won't take, you, take long. I'll get you out of here in time for brunch. I promise. Some of y'all already ate breakfast. But you're going to go eat brunch anyway. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. Read something like this. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Man, I was really looking for somebody to say amen at that. That's why I read it with like my, my preacher voice because I was like, oh, they're going to definitely say amen at that. Tough crowd. Maybe the online folks will say amen. I'm going to listen to see if I can hear it. <laughs> the Lord declares to you 
that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Oh, they, they all, man, praise God. That's, that's a good verse, man. That's God. I heard the spirit of online through you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's a good place to say amen. If you're taking notes on this second message in this heart for the house season, I've entitled it this. Protect the seed. Protect the seed. Protect the seed. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you're with me. God, let us rejoice and be glad. And God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, I pray right now, Lord, that somebody will hear you, feel you. You would speak to them in a new way. God, I pray that I lie down as you rise up, God, before the earth began to spin on this axis. You know, each and every person that was going to be here, you're not surprised by the people in this room and the people watching online right now. God, I pray that people receive this word that need the most open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. God, I pray that we understand how important it is to protect the seed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said, take about five seconds to give Jesus some praise in this place. Amen. Your question. How come every time you want to do the right thing, there's always opposition? See, that just blessed somebody's life already today. He reading my mail. I just got here. How come every time you decide to do the right thing, there's always some kind of opposition? I feel like this is literally the story of my life. Every time I try to do something good, there's something that stands in the way. You pledged last week to give more over and above your tithe and offerings, but your car decided to break down, so now you got to decide between your ride and your pledge. It happens. You pledged, if you're like me, to further your education, to go back to school, but something came up. Something in your family, bills you weren't expecting, new responsibilities on your job until you got to the place where you've been pushing it off till next semester for the last five years. You pledged to get away from people that were toxic, but those same people, they weasel their way right back into your life because they talked that slick game and you just decided to give them another chance. That's resonating with somebody. I like Miss Brenda Kelly's laugh. That's that, that's that OG, like old saint laugh, because they, they, they already know where the sermon going. She's like, hmm, 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 hmm. She's like, y'all will get it. You pledged to forgive somebody that did you wrong, but then they did something that reminded you why you don't like them in the first place. You pledged to give your life to Jesus. 
but the temptations from the past seem more prevalent than before. You gave your life at an altar. Cool church, I love this place, I'm creating I love. You walked out the door and the enemy decided to hit you with everything he's got. You made a good decision, but because of your good decision, there was opposition. Let me tell you something. Anytime in your life that you decide to sow seeds, you have to be faithful to the seed until you sow it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because every time you sow seed, there's always going to be something that wants to come against your harvest. It's happened to me time and time and time again. I'm trying to do something right. God, you told me to plant a church in Miramar. I planted it. Why is it so hard to find a building? Every time you try to do something good, there's always going to be something that wants to stop your harvest. And last week, we came in here full of faith and we prayed about our pledge seed and, and we pledged the seed. It was funny because Alan even made us say what we were going to pledge out loud and we were excited and we were full of faith. But today we're not talking about pledging the seed or praying for the seed. We got to talk about how to protect the seed. You got to protect the seed. You must protect your seed at all costs because the enemy will stop at nothing to steal your harvest. I need somebody to hear me today. Today, I'm going to give you two key points, two very practical ways to protect your seed as if we're following the life of David. And the first is this. You got to remind yourself about your seed. Some of y'all ain't think about that seed since you walked out of here last week. You got to remind yourself about your seed. Sometimes the only thing that stops the harvest is that you forget about your seed. One of the greatest sowers of seed biblically was King David. I love King David because King David, he was a passionate king. He was a warrior king. He was an artist king. He was a crazy king, uh, but he was still a king and a man after God's own heart. But one thing you could always say about David is that he was a generous king. And I love David because at the end of his life, he gave everything he had in order for his son Solomon to build a temple for the most high God. God's ark, God's presence needed a home. And, 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 and God said, David, you can't build my temple. There's too much blood on your hands. You've been to war too often. I need somebody that does not have blood on their hands. So I want your son to build my temple. And when David heard that, he did not get jealous of his son. How many of you know there's things that you think you're supposed to do that God wants somebody else to do? It is not your job to get jealous of those people. It is your job to bless them so that they can do what God has called them to do. You get mad, God, I thought it was supposed to be me. Don't be petty because he didn't choose you. He chose you for something else. Our job when we understand who God chooses to do certain things is not to be petty towards them, it's to bless them and help them reach their God-given potential. This is what David does. He's all right, it's not me, God. Cool. It's all good. It's my son Solomon. Even better, man. This is legacy. I'm going to give everything that I have. And literally, David gives the greatest heart for the house offering in all of history. 
because they were building God's house. So he gives, I mean, he gives everything, all the gold, all the silver, all the cedar, everything that David has, he equips his son because that's what good parents do. They equip their children to build legacy. And we read about this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, which we'll get to later in this series. We'll see what that offering that David gave looked like. And although David had this heart for the house offering that was massive, the biggest offering that we can recall historically based upon the text of God's word, truth be told that David's seed was not his money. His seed was his son. His seed was Solomon. The greatest thing that David gave to the temple was not his wealth. It was his son. He gave his son to build what God had called him to build. And because of this, God says, okay, you're going to give all you got? I promise you will always have somebody on the throne. Your legacy will always reign. You will have someone on the throne in your lineage forever. And God literally takes David's offering of his son Solomon, uh, his legacy, and that was the seed that God used to make the promise of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, come to fruition. Biblically, here's what it says in 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 13. It says, the Lord declares that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. This is the prophet telling, telling David what God says. And God said, man, I'm going to establish your house. It says, when your days are over and you will rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13 is awesome because it says, he is the one who will build the house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It's such a beautiful thing. See, David was coming to the end of his life and before he gave the largest offering that's ever been recorded in history, somebody had to remind him of the initial seed that he was pledged. You see, God gave David that promise. At the end of David's life, he was frail. He was brittle. He was cold. He was, he was shaking, and he literally was on bed rest. He had people that would attend to him. And in his latter days, he did not hold on to his former glory. So maybe he just began to forget things. How many of you have been living with a promise? I'm just here. You know, it's... It's, it's, it's December 30th, and you told me in 2020 that by the end of 2020, was gonna, something was going to, it's December 30th, God. I still believe, I still love you, but we really in the fight. It's late in the midnight hour, God. Some of y'all going to look at me crazy on, on December 30th, 2021. I thought he said this year was going to be bigger. I ain't see, Pastor, you got 24 hours for bigger to deliver. David was late in the midnight hour. He was frail. He was weak. He had people attending to him. And he had not yet seen his successor arise. And I love what happens. This, I love the Bible because it's like, it's like watching an episode of like loving hip hop. It's crazy. <laughs> when David was like old and dying, 
on his bed, one of his trifling sons, he had a few of them, one of his trifling sons said, oh, my, my dad's sick, he, 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 he laying there, he, he ain't going to be around soon. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just proclaim myself king. I'm going to proclaim myself king. Dad's going to die anyway. It don't matter. What he, what he going to do? What, what he going to do? He pro- not only did he proclaim himself king, this is ignorant. He proclaimed himself king and had a party. I wish my child would come up in my house and have a party talking about this my house now. What? I will send you to Jesus before your time. This child, this, this, this son of David, he had a party in his own honor. Instead of honoring his father who was still alive, he had a party for himself. And he proclaimed himself king. Look at what the, look, oh man, this is so crazy. Look at what 1 Kings 1, 11 uh, through 13 says. It says, <laughs> this is so crazy. Then Nathan, Nathan was the prophet, right? Asked Bathsheba, you know who she was. She would have definitely been on Love and Hip Hop. Um, Solomon's mother. <laughs> have you not heard that Odinajah, this is the trifling son. Have you not heard? They was like by the water cooler. Girl, have you heard? Adinajah, son of Haggith, has become king, and our Lord David knows nothing about it? It's trifling. See, that? See, that's why y'all need to read y'all Bible, man. Y'all, y'all reacting like it's a movie. Yeah, it's real. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Now, now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Let me explain that. When a king took the reins over a kingdom, anybody that was a threat to his kingdom had to die. Solomon and Bathsheba had the rightful keys to the kingdom. Adinajah couldn't have that. So he was going to kill him. He was so petty. And this is how, this how you know he's going to, it's implied that he was going to kill him because when he had the banquet, he invited all of his other brothers but did not invite Solomon. Kept Solomon on the outside because he's like, yeah, I'm going to get rid of this dude because I know he's the rightful heir to the throne. He says, says so, so the prophet Nathan, he's a prophet. He sees it. He's like, here's how you can save you and your son's life. He's talking to Bathsheba. He says, go to King David and say to him, my Lord, the king, did you not swear to me, your servant? Surely Solomon, your son shall be king after me and he will sit on the throne. Why then? has Adinajah become king. So Nathan was like, Bathsheba, you better go remind David what he said to you. He told you a long time ago that Solomon was going to be king, and now you got this trifling son throwing parties in his own honor, neglecting his father. You need to go remind David about what he said about Solomon. See, this is why I love Bathsheba and Nathan, because just like David, we all need people in our circle that will remind us of the things that we promised. We need some good people in our circle. Had it not been for Nathan and Bathsheba, David would not have remembered that he said that Solomon was supposed to be king. Why is this important? Because accountability to the seeds you plant may be the only thing keeping your harvest alive. If you're going to clap, clap. Don't give me a petty clap. (laughs) You got to have accountability to the seeds, man. 
man, me and my wife, I always tell y'all how we like to plant stuff in our, in our backyard and all that. She's, she has a green thumb. I have a black thumb. Or red. Whatever. Okay. So, <laughs> we like to plant stuff. And, and, and there's, there's plants that we've, like, planted in our ground from, like, like seeds. And we've watched them grow and we've watched them sprout. But um, there are some plants that we planted from seeds. They, they are no longer alive. And if I could be honest, it's like, it's not that I didn't care about those plants, but you know, man, you get busy, right? Like, I'm, try, I'm like, I got, I, got, I got work, I got kids, a wife. I, I'm, try, I'm trying to, like, like, like I, I don't water the plants as often as, as I need to. Sometimes I forget to cut off the sprinklers because I'm over here trying to do this, and I'm over here trying to do that, and I, I got to take baby girl to cheerleading practice, and I got to do this and that, da, 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 and I, for, I forget. It's not that I don't care about the seeds that I planted. I get so busy sometimes that I neglect the seeds that I have planted. And because I get so busy and I neglect the seeds that I have planted, it's not that I did not care about what was planted, but the thing that I planted died because I got too busy. How many of you know the devil wants you to be busy while God wants you to be effective? See, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. Some of you think, and I, I want to I dispel this crazy thought that some people have because some people think about the enemy and think like, yo, he's going he's gonna to burst your tire on 95 so you flip over 10 times or, 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 or you think he's going to like point down and lightning will come from his finger and you'll be stricken with, with some crazy disease or, or he's going to slay your whole thing. Like some of y'all think the enemy's got to do all this drastic stuff to derail you. The reality is some of us think the enemy think some of us think that the enemy has to do something drastic to kill your harvest when the truth is all he has to do is keep you busy enough to forget about your seed. Cuz if the enemy could keep you busy, you'll kill your own seed through neglect. The seeds you forget about will die. This is why I see a lot of people and they try to put on this front for the world like they doing all this stuff and you are very busy, but you are not effective. Your social media story don't tell me how effective you are. It just tells me you're busy. I don't want to live a life of busyness. I want to live a life of effectiveness. I want to be careful with the seeds I plant. Some of y'all planting 100 seeds knowing you can only maintain two. You got to be effective with the things that you do because doing a lot doesn't mean that you're good at maintaining a lot. Some of y'all want all the friends in the world when you don't call the five that are the closest to you. What you must do is be attentive to the things that you have so you can be effective with the things that you have because because busyness has never grown a harvest in the kingdom, but effective seed planting does. If you believe it, say amen. But you need accountability for your seed. I'm effective at the things that I choose to be effective at because the things that I care about, I put accountability around. I don't have to worry about what time I got to water the seed. I've left a reminder to know I don't have to worry about if the seed is going crazy. My eyes are the only eyes on it. No, I got accountability around me that will tell me like, man, when the last time you watered your seed? Why do you think we talk about connect groups so much? You, 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 you think it's, it, it, it's so you could just be with a group of people? No, 
It's accountability. Man, I love God. I love God's word. But I promise you, there are humans that I keep very close to me that could tell me when I'm not watering my seed properly. You need accountability in your life because the things that you have accountability with are the things you will reap a harvest from. Why do you think Alan made us say what we were going to pledge out loud? You know why he wanted you to put it out in the atmosphere? Because once somebody heard it, you had to stick with it. I don't tell everybody my stuff, but the people that I tell, I can trust. And when it looks like I'm not going on the right path, there's enough accountability with people that I trust that will say, hey, did you forget about this? I literally got people like, hey, man, did you read your word this week? I'm like... All right, I'm going. <laughs> did, 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 did you mind what you were watching this week? Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like you need accountability. If you want to see the harvest, you got to remind yourself about your seed. I, I love it because when David gets reminded, look at, look at what he does. First Kings uh, 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 1, 11 through 13, uh, excuse me, um, 1, 29, it says, the king then took an oath after Bathsheba and Nathan was like, hey, you, you don't, don't you remember that you said Solomon was going to be king? He takes an oath. See, now that, now, now that he's been reminded, he's putting it out in the atmosphere so that everybody can hear it and he can be held accountable. He says, the king then took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me and he will sit on my throne in my place. Sidebar, some of y'all trying to take a throne that has not been given to you. You cannot take what has not been given to you. A dinner jar tried to take the throne when it hadn't been released. Solomon got the blessing because his father released it to him. If you want to see your seed live, get some accountability to remind you so that you don't forget about it. You got all these dreams that you ain't tell, you ain't tell anybody? So your, account, your only accountability is in your head? Who's going to prop you up? Who's going to pray for you when things ain't going right? Who's going to push you? Man, listen, I tell my dreams to my wife because they may be crazy, but let me tell you something. You know why my wife is so amazing? Because she keeps me accountable to everything I say. Trust me when I tell you that girl don't let me forget nothing. <laughs> but I'm thankful for it because we wouldn't even be sitting here today if I didn't have somebody I trusted to speak my dreams out with that would hold me accountable. But the last thing is this. It's not just remind yourself about your seed. Keep your seed visible until you plant it. Man, you got to keep your seed visible. If you want to protect your seed, you can't just remind yourself about the seed, but you got to keep your seed visible until you plant it. See, the reminder literally saved the life of Solomon and Bathsheba. Because if they didn't remind him, Adinajah would definitely have killed them. But the reminding was only one part of the protection. The other part of the protection was keeping the seed visible until it was planted. Let me ask you this. Where's your seed right now? Where is it? Is it visible? See, yeah, I'm talking about this seed, but I could be talking about any seed in your life. 
Any seat in your life. Like, where, like, and the reason I ask you that, like, if you don't know where your seat is, like, if you don't know, is your seat visible? Where is it right now? So the truth is, there's going to be people that don't sow seed because they lost track of it. You just lost track of it. It's not that you're a bad person, but life happens. And you lose track of stuff because it's not visible. If you don't keep your eyes on it and give it attention, you're going to forget about it. I always say this, man. We're attention goes, energy flows. Where attention goes. Listen, can I have a real honest moment with you? Because I want want to make this spiritual thing very practical for some people, because some people hear stuff in church and they're like, well, how does this apply to my life? Let's talk about money, because everybody cares about money, right? Money's not evil. What you do with it can be. (laughs) Money is not evil. The love of it That's a whole different thing. So I have not always been good with money. Oh, man, when I was in college, I had all these credit cards that I ran up, never paid back. I I just was bad. Like, it was bad. Like, I was was bad. And then, like, creditors would call and stuff. I I used to, like, hide. Like, like if I didn't talk to them, it's going to go away. Stuff like going into default. It was bad. like it was bad. Like I, I was like, yeah, I felt I felt like some like Vegas hitman was gonna come break my legs because I ain't pay a debt. Like that's how I was like I was like dodging phone calls, man. I was a kid. I was young and dumb. Didn't know how to use credit properly. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily taught those things, and I, I was just trying I, I was trying to figure it out on on, on my own. I, I never forget when I wanted to get my first house. This, I'm being I'm being very honest with you because I want you to understand like like how practical this can be. When I was trying to get my first house, I had a 521 credit score. That's what the bank said. There is no way. There's absolutely no way. Because, see, I didn't, I didn't care about my credit and I didn't care about those things because they hadn't affected me up to that point. So I was like, out of sight, out of mind. Doesn't matter. And then my husband button kicked in and my daddy button kicked in. And I was like, I can't have these girls moving around from place to place forever. But I realized I was hurting my family because I was neglecting my seed. I was hurting my family because I neglect. I was acting like, oh, if I don't pay attention to it, it's going to go away. And I don't know, man. I lo- like, this is what Christians do. This is what Christians do. Christians have bad practices, and then they believe God for a miracle. <laughs> this ain't even in the nose. This Holy Spirit. We got some terrible, we got like terrible practices. We're not budgeting. We're not watching our finances. But we're like, God, you going to, miracle, you going to give me the house. Somebody going to just, somebody just going to give me a briefcase full of money. No, they won't. It could happen, but it usually, like 99.9999999999% of the time, it don't happen like that. God does not bless squandering. God blesses stewardship. One day my wife will tell you, I started to care. 
I started to care. I started looking at everything. She got like a no, because like, I, once again, I'm always like, I, I don't chase money, money will chase me. I always believe that. But when it chases you, it will run past you if you don't know how to steward it. So I had stuff coming in, but it was going out because I didn't know how to. So one day I was like, nah, man, we get in this house. I'll never forget. It was January 2015. I made a New Year's resolution. I was like, we get in the house this year. I literally said that. Remember that, babe? Yep. <laughs> she, was, she was like, what's your credit score? 521, girl. She was like, hmm. I started to pay attention to the thing that I had ignored. I started to really pay attention to it. And man, I, yo, I, went, I went through credit rehab, all kinds of stuff. I learned how to, man, I learned how to budget like you wouldn't believe. Here's something real practical, man. Get, get, that, get that Dave Ramsey app on your phone right now, every dollar, if you don't have it young person in this room that don't know how to budget and older person in this room that you put you put every dollar on your phone right now you connect it to a bank account right now and when you spend money it will show up and you have to allocate what you spent based upon the budget that you have created for the month change my life and like i get i get mad because like when she be spending i'm like where, where are we allocating this where 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 is it going i've allocated a side there's an allotment Yes, I became obsessed with success for my family. And I started looking at everything and I start calling uh, old creditors that I had run from forever and I realized, man, creditors ain't that bad. They just want their money. <laughs> and I started paying things down and I got some stuff removed and yada, 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 long and short of it. Been a homeowner for now for six years. I, I, don't, I don't have good credit. I got excellent credit. I'm working towards perfect credit. But I got excellent credit now because I actually decided to pay attention. I actually decided to put some eyes on my seed. Some people lost track of their seed, and they think if they ignore it, it'll just be okay. And like the old saying goes, out of sight, out of mind. Look at, look at what the Bible says. This, this is where David is a G. He was, he was pretty much incapacitated in his bed, but he still was pulling G moves because he was a king. Look at what he does. He's like, all right, they reminded me of my seed. I got to make sure we get eyes on this seed again. Look at what he does. It's so powerful. 1 Kings 1, 32, 33 says, bang, come out. King David said, so this sounds real spiritual. King David said, call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, says, when they came before the king, he said to them, I love this, man. This is David putting eyes on the seed. He says, take your Lord's servant with you and have Solomon, my son, Mount my mule, not just any mule, you get on the king's mule. Take him down to Gihon. It says, 
there you have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Look, but look at it. He had just anointed him. He wanted to make sure he got eyes on him. He says, blow the trumpet. What, is trump what, what does the sound do? It attracts attention. Blow the trumpet and shout, long live King Solomon. He's like, if you don't know, I'm going to make sure you know. But then look what he does. He's the best part. Verse 35. He says, then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne. He's supposed to sit in my throne. And what? Reign in my place. I have appointed him. Let me tell you something. Nobody can take away what you've been appointed. Since I've been appointed, have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. I, I love this because the easiest way for David to keep his son slash seed visible was to put him in a place of importance. David makes Solomon visible by putting him on the throne. He put him in a place not only where he could see him, he put him in a place everybody could see him. I, I love my wife, man. We, we, oh man, our adventures for the last 22 years now have been amazing. I love her to death. Um, my wife has this thing though, baby forgive me. My, 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 my wife has this thing about keys in our house. I'm, a, I'm, I'm very OCD, so like I put things in a specific place. And if something is not in that place, I start spazzing out because I know where I leave stuff. Like everything, so I'm like, thank you, it's me too. So I have, we have these magnets in our kitchen. There's three magnets right above the alarm and our keys are supposed to hook to those magnets. So when I come, when I walk in the house, put my key on the magnet. When I leave the house, I take my key off the magnet. Key on the magnet, key off the magnet. Key on the magnet, key off the magnet. My wife don't care about the magnets, y'all. She always asking me where her keys are. I'm like, did I go where you went? Was I in the car with you? I, I, the key's supposed to be on the magnet. But they're not on the magnet. One day, my wife, and this is like, she'll take, like, sometimes she'll put the key on the man, but when she take the keys, she'll put the keys in her purse. And she got a lot of purses. <laughs> so sometimes there's keys in one purse, and there's keys in another purse. And then sometimes she thinks my keys are her keys, so she'll take my keys and throw them in her purse. One day, I was trying to come to work. And I'm looking, I'm like, where are my doggone keys? Let me tell you where they weren't on the magnet. The keys wasn't on the magnet. I was getting frustrated because like, I know I put my keys on this magnet. Where are my keys at? So I called my beautiful wife. Because I'm like, Joe, I'm stuck. Like, I literally can't drive my car. Like, I have three pairs of keys. All of my keys are gone. All of them. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I know I put, and she was like, how come they ain't on the magnet? Like, she was being petty. She was being mad petty. I'm like, girl, I know I put these keys on this magnet. Well, why they ain't there then? I said, baby girl, do me a favor. She said, what? I said, look in your purse. 
She got quiet. I was like, babe, you still there? Stay quiet. I said, babe. All she said next was, I'm sorry. She didn't have one of my keys. She had all my keys in the purse. She had to come back home and give me my keys. It's my life. Pray for us. We need counseling. <laughs> she took all my keys. I can't win. What's the point of that story? <laughs> I always know where my keys are because I put them in the proper place. I put them in a place where I know that they're going to be. If they're not there, I know who took them. But I always put my keys in the proper place because I don't even have to think about where they are. I know where they are because I put them there. I never have to look for the keys that are important to me because I've created a special place in my home for them. So because I created a special place, when I'm looking for my keys, I know where to find my keys. They have a special place. My wife is special to me. I don't treat her like everybody else. She's my favorite human. And because of that, she has a special place in my heart. My daughter, she's special to me. She's not just some kid, she's my legacy. So she has a special place in my heart. My family, they ain't just some people. They my people. Looking at my dad as he's out there today. You my people, pops. I'm your seed. Literally. Oh, don't act like you ain't been to science class. They my people, though. Got a special place in my heart, pop. This church, special to me. You ain't just some congregation. We are the church. The Bible I read says we belong to one another. You got a special place in my heart. And Jesus, not only is he special to me, he's the Lord of my life. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha Omega, beginning to end. He's not just some God. He is God. He created the universe. He breathed stars into existence. And there's a God-shaped hole in my heart that only he could fill. He's not just special to me. He's everything to me. So he has a special place in my heart. When something is important, you make sure you put it in its proper place. What you, David, that is so beautiful. We talk about how David slayed the giant. We talk about how Saul killed his thousands and David killed his tens of thousands. We talk about the Psalms that David wrote. We talk about the wars that David won. 
But the most important thing David ever did was put Solomon on the throne because he knew he had to put his son, his seed, in a special place to reap the harvest of God's plan for his life. I want somebody to get it today. This is why the Bible says in 2 Samuel 7, 13 and 14, it says, he is the one who I will build my house for my name and I will establish my throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I haven't read it to you yet, but I love this part because it says, I will be his father and he will be my son. You see, at that point, God's not talking about Solomon anymore. He's talking about his one and only son, Jesus. You see, we don't get Jesus if the lineage is not established through the seed of Solomon. And I love this. You say, how do you know that Jesus comes from the lineage and the seed of David? I Not only do I know this, but it's recorded in biblical history. It's recorded through genealogy. But when he entered into the city for the very last time in Matthew 21, 9, the crowds gathered gathered ahead of him, those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. The son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You see, Solomon was the seed that David protected to reap the harvest of the fulfillment of the promise that was Jesus. You got to understand, if you thought protecting your seed was only about your pledge today, you got it all wrong because you're missing the fact that what David did with Solomon is what Jesus has done with all of us. David put Solomon on his throne to protect him from a certain death. Man, I wish it was some saints up in this place. Adinajah would have killed Solomon if David had not put Solomon on the throne in his place. I need somebody to understand that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and done for me. When death was certain, Jesus, he leaves heaven and he takes our place on a cross so that we can take his place in heaven. Jesus takes us from death to life because he was willing to put us in a place that was visible, a place that was safe, a place that is love, a place we'd be respected, a place we'd be honored for all of eternity. He gave up who he was so that we could be who he was. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus gave us what belonged to him in order to protect his seed. For Jesus, the Bible will call him the seed that bruised the head of the serpent. But when the seed of Jesus goes into the ground, he makes a public spectacle of the 
devil in front of all of his minions. He takes the keys to death, hell, and the grave so that we don't have to be scared of who the enemy is because Jesus has allowed us to take his place. Jesus took your place on the throne of death so that you could share her in the throne of life. If you came in here thinking we was only talking about pledges today, you got it wrong. Jesus died to protect the seed. The seed of salvation in you. The seed of salvation in me. As believers, we got to do whatever we can to protect the seed of salvation in each and every one of us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't know who I'm talking to today. But some of you say, every time I try to do something good, Pastor, there's always opposition. Let me tell you why you can win today. Because even when the opposition comes, if they're coming at you, just know they're coming at Jesus. He takes your place. If they hurt you, if they're going after you, they're going after him. Jesus will step into the spaces of ridicule that you endure to give you heaven. He'll step into the pain of this earth that you endure to give you heaven. He'll step into the, 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 the constant addiction you battle with to show you grace. He'll step into your heart to give you heaven. All you got to do is accept what he's already done. See, some of us have a hard time sitting on the throne because we don't believe that we belong there. You don't. And neither do I. And that's the beauty of Jesus. And that's why we call it grace. Because it's something that we don't deserve that he gives freely. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want access to the grace of Jesus that allows us to take his place. Mm -mm -mm. You want to say, you say, what's that? Tell me what that means in layman's terms, Pastor. You want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I ain't trying to trick you. I ain't trying to wrap you up in words. Man, you say, I need, I need Jesus in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of living the way that I'm living. And I want to give my life to the person that was willing to trade it all for me. If that's you, if you're in this room or you're watching online right now on the count of three, don't worry about what people around you doing, man. They didn't give their life for you. Jesus did. The count of three. Say, man, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you've done it before, but man, you ain't been taking it as serious as you know you need to. It's time to come home. Count of three. I want you to raise your hand. Don't wait. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Here we go. I need Jesus in my life. I want a personal Lord and Savior. I want to come home. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold your hand up high enough and long enough for me to see it. Hold it up. Hold it up. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. Yep. I see you. Do me a favor. I know it's scary. If your hand's up, stand up. 
I'm not asking you to stand up for somebody that did nothing. I'm asking you to stand up for somebody that did everything and gave you something you don't deserve. You already did the hard part. Come down here, man. Let me pray with you. Come, come. If you're standing, come, come, come. Come home. Come home. Everybody standing in this place. Everybody standing. Come on. Come home. Y'all come on. Can we give it up for these brave folks? I always, I, we're family at Cool Church. It's our, after love, it's our, it's the value that we lean on the most, family. And y'all took a brave step alone today. But maybe you standing out there and you're like, yo, I want to go, but man, that's scary. I ain't got the courage them folks do. I want everybody to look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, grab their hand and then walk them down here. Come on, come on, let me just see. I, I just want to make sure. I don't want to leave anybody out of what's about to happen right here. If you're online, hey, look at the person next to you. If somebody sitting next to you and say, hey, you good? I want to make sure you good. All right? Cool. Praise God. I just, listen, y'all not just some congregation. We the church. We belong to one another. I just want to look at, I want to make sure one day when God calls us all home, I can look in all y'all faces and see you again. That's all I want to make sure of. Everybody out there, reach your hands towards these folks. The Bible says it like this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're saved. That's it. Don't worry about what other people say about you because they're going to keep talking anyway. That's what happens. Jesus puts you on the throne, right? You switch places with him. Guess what? When you do that, all the attention comes on you. So people gonna hate on you. People gonna act out because they want they want to have what you have. But guess what? You couldn't earn what you got. You couldn't work for it. Jesus gives it to you freely. Never forget it. So I want everybody at this altar. Maybe raise your hand. And say why? Wow, sign of surrender. We gonna confess. We gonna believe. Everybody, whether you're in this room or you're watching online. I want everybody to repeat this after me because it's not about the words that we about to say. It's the heart in which you say it. I want everybody to say, dear Jesus, I've sinned, not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Let me tell you what's going to happen. I already know what's happening in heaven right now, and I can't even see it. I just got to go by what the Word says. I wish I could open up this ceiling and show you. There's a celebration. Angels break dancing, people clapping, they singing. Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's celebration in heaven. I can't show it to you, but I want you to hear what it sounds like. On the count of three, y'all need to clap for them. Like, and you... Listen, what's happening at the Heat Arena, what's happening at the Hard Rock right now, 
the decibel level shouldn't be able to match what happens in this room right now. If you're online, start hitting those claps, start hitting those likes. When they start clapping for you, you see that sign that says, welcome to the family? That's what you are. You're going to walk towards that. There's a gift I want to make sure you get. We got Bibles and all kinds of stuff for you. If you came with them, like kindly grab their stuff and meet them out in the lobby. They're not getting raptured. You'll find them right in the lobby, I promise you. If you got questions about what happens, we got a team that'll answer any questions. I don't like when people just make a salvation commitment and we don't answer their questions. We'll answer whatever questions you got. Is that cool? So on the count of three, they gonna clap, y'all gonna walk that way. Is that cool? If, if, if you hear me, just go like this. Y'all get ready. Don't fail me now. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know God loves them. Let them know their sons and daughters are the most high God. Let them know we celebrate. Let them know. Come on, one voice. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.